The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. Oh, my word, that would put the hair standing on the back of your neck, would it not? I want to talk this morning, though, about an exclusive news talk poll carried out by Amorok, where we discovered that there is still this massive divide between men and women's sport in Ireland. While we cheer on the girls in green this week or Rashida Adelecki, it's quite sobering, I think, to see that when it comes to attending sporting occasions, women's sport lags way, way behind men. Just one in four of those surveyed said that they had been to professional female event. That's 25%. Absolute madness. That number rises to nearly 8 out of 10 for male sporting events. Now, how can we close that gap in both participation and the viewing of women's sport? I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by two sporting legends. The uh, brilliant uh, Anna Maguire is here. She was captain of the 2014 All-Ireland Anna, Anna Geary, sorry, Anna Geary is here. At, uh, that didn't appear like that on my screen. <laughs> Anna, Anna, All-Ireland Camogie Captain, presenter of Why Girls Quit Sport. And of course, my partner in crime on the Irishman Running Abroad podcast, the legend, the goat herself, Sonia O'Sullivan is here on the line too. Ladies, thank you so much for joining me. Good morning. Good morning, Jared. Good nice stuff. Nice to talk to you again. Good stuff. I was a slight delay there, Sonia. I was like, it's not like you to be uh, to be second there. Um, but do do any of these findings in this survey surprise the two of you? I'll come to you first, Anna, because of course you, you know, you've talked about this an awful lot about why girls quit sports. So I doubt I doubt you were super surprised by these findings. No, um, I wasn't, Jared. And I suppose really. I feel just like what you've said there, we are doing an awful lot of talking about it still. And, you know, I think it's it's action that we need to be taking now. To me, fundamentally, it comes back to the crux of the problem, and that is the attitude around sport. Mm. Um, and I think it really, I mean, we have you know, the Women's World Cup at the moment, and, and we have a lot of hype around it. But how how long does that continue when the girls come home? You know, we, we heard there some clips of some of, are great Irish sports women, but I think it's not just about showcasing, you know, women's sport um, at the elite level. It's about looking at the grassroots level and saying, how do we engage participation there? Because in this country, you might have 1% of women that will reach top level sports and probably not much more in, in men's sport, but it's about engaging the everyday person and it's engaging them, whether it's they want to play organized sport in a non-competitive way 
or they have aspirations to go to the Olympics. And I think that's where we're falling short is that we often only look at sports as, oh, you have to win, you have to be the best. And if you're not prepared to do that, oh, well, then there's there's no room for you. And I think sometimes that's, that's the picture that can be created. And, you know, we do we do need to, across the board, look at everything from funding, opportunities, resources. Government and policymakers have a massive part to play in this. But I also think it's how we introduce organised sport within mm. communities and sports environment and school environment. I think that has a massive part to play in how we look at sport for boys and girls Anna, from a young age. Anna, I mean, we need to get this on a t-shirt, what you've just said there. Because, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that would fit. <laughs> well, yeah, well, we might trim it down. But, <laughs> but Sonia and I have spoken about this as well on the Irishman running abroad, Sonia, that this attitude of uh, tr- coaching the 1% rather than the 98% who will later in life just enjoy sport and the enjoyment around it. Would that be the the first way in which you would say that we could increase or maintain female participation in sport? Yeah, well, I mean, in some ways, I think the survey is a little bit misleading because, one, why does it have to be organised sport? I mean, I think there's a huge percentage of women who participate in sport for health and fitness and mm. they're not they're not necessarily, you know, leading to you know a big competition at the end of it but you don't have to be I mean I would consider I don't take part in organized sports right now but I go out and I I run or I cycle or I do something every day and I mean that's the end goal is that you want a a fit and healthy population exactly yeah you know the cream will rise to the top and of course you'll have uh, women and men who are are better at sports and they'll be more competitive and they'll want to achieve more but that's not necessarily for everybody. And I think even at the level where people are not in a competitive mode, they're still engaged and interested in what the more elite competitors are doing. And I also think the comparison to men and women isn't always the best comparison to do. I think like at the start of the clip, there was Katie Taylor winning the Olympics in 2012 in London. If you were to do the same survey in 2012 as you did this year, the participation of women in sports has increased dramatically in Ireland. And I can look at it from, you know, other countries, from being in Australia, in England, in the US. And I see the promotion and the encouragement of girls and women in sports in Ireland to be probably greater, at least on par with anywhere else in the world. Really? Well, that's so an think, international perspective that we don't get. Uh, Mm-hmm. I think Ireland, you know, really does a good job of it. And I think we try and look for the negatives in it where we should really be looking for the positives and saying, oh, look how much we've improved. Look how many more female, you know, girls. And, you know, I suppose, I mean, there there is always that dropout rate for teenagers, but we're getting closer to holding on to people because you have more people who, there's more sports team events, particularly available to girls now to stay involved in sports. And, and to want to be a part of. And, you know, things like the Women's World Cup and, you know, just seeing the girls out there and everything that's involved in that. It's something that young girls would aspire to be a part of. Well, and, and, you know, I think if they really want to do it, then they'll find a way to do it and they'll find that pathway. And I, I think there is some pathways there for, for girls in sports to follow their dreams and to, to chase their goals. I think it's a superb points on you and I wish we had more time to go into it. On the podcast we always have an hour long (laughs) chat where we can really (laughs) dig deep on this but Anna, she's hit on a 
a really good point here about the snapshot nature of a survey like this. And Mm -hmm. Sonia raises the point that should we not be viewing the progress that's being made, that while uh, a snapshot is useful, it would be more useful to see, well, where is the graph going? Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's what you ha- you have to to look at. I suppose because it's it's progress motivates people as well, and progress mm. keeps those that are currently working behind the scenes tirelessly also motivated that what they're doing is actually working, and um, and and it is working. But I think it's to make sure that it continues to increase. Like that's the most important thing. Like for me, even and going back, I know I'm going back to schools, but I mean younger people in particular. I mean their habits, their you know their ideas, their their interests are often developed in school, either, you know, in the environment that's created with their peers. And, you know, there are definitely more challenges for teenage girls, and hence why we see the greater dropout rate, everything from, you know, body image and periods and, and the type of gear that um, that they have to wear in, in organised sports. And even, you know, in, in general, it's the, the expectation that you have to perform and look good while doing it, like that does exist. And we'd be, you know, I suppose we'd be denying an obvious truth if we said it wasn't. But I do think it's about, you know, even if you think about school and you would never be allowed to get out of a math class or an English class. But yet there is this willingness to disengage from PE and it's almost accepted yes. a lot of the time. Whereas, you know, with, with the digital age now, we're almost accommodating people being more inactive than ever. So like what Sonia said, it doesn't have to be organised sports. If, if you gather an interest for movement and physical activity, and you feel good in yourself and cognitively you feel better. And mental health, we hear so much now about the importance of looking after mental health. Well, exercise plays a massive part in that. If we only started there and the language that's used in relation to sport, the difference in language that's used often between men's and women's sport, it's a spirited performance. Mm. Like Words like that drive me mad because it's patronising. And yes. younger people are really perceptive. Like when I did that documentary, Why Girls Quit Sport, I expected to the forefront for the likes of the body image to come to the fore for the younger girls, but it wasn't. It was how they were seen when they played sport, how they were treated, how they were made feel, how they were valued, or in some cases not valued. That really fed into their interest. Things like, why, why would I want to do something where I'm seen as a second-class citizen or I'm seen as not import, as important as my brother playing sport or the, you know, the male students in school playing sport? So it's really important that it is an attitude shift. And I think that starts with, you know, the bigger people like in charge. Like it does start with government and policy saying, well, you know, it, this is not just about, like Sonia Luder said, this isn't just about sport. So it's, it's about health. Mm. It's about making sure that as a nation, we are healthy and, and looking at the things that work and saying, let's keep doing those. But then the things that aren't working, well, then how can we make them better? How can we generate more promotion? And it's not just about supporting women's teams. Support is great. It's about investing. Mm. Like, that's the word we need to be focusing on. Support is one thing, but that's kind of a passive. Let's, let's, let's look at things, how we can actively invest from right. the ground up, from the grassroots up to, to keep improving. Well, Anna, I mean, you've said a mouthful and so many things there that people should be waking up to, uh, especially around, you know, why the dropout is taking place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, cultural shift, attitudinal ch- shift takes time. But what... I'll come to both of you. Start with Sonia. What do you see as things that we can actively change right away that would contribute to holding girls in sport 
a little while longer. Things that you recognize as being, you know, just just wrong. That you know, that's that's making life more difficult for a girl hoping to remain in her sport. Should we just can we just address that on a, a micro level to start with, Sonia? <laughs> I put you on the spot, and I, this is this is just like the podcast. So, Sonia, fix everything. Oh this is this basically it. Bring Sonia Sullivan on. We go fix it. <laughs> usually, oh usually we cut out these bits from the Irishman running abroad, where she goes, "Char, <laughs> you didn't tell me you were going to ask me that." <laughs> Oh my, I was like totally gone blank there. I was in the park and I, I think I was just zoning out. <laughs> and that happens me. on the podcast a lot too. <laughs> Lest we forget. So Anna, we'll, we'll let Sonia have time to think of hers. What would be yours? Oh. I mean, the changing of the, the, the Irish team's rugby short colour was one of the most mind-blowing things for me this year. Where I was like, how did, how did, why did this take so long? We've had green shorts forever. How is this? Well, wh- white shorts. I mean, not even green. I think even there was a different colour. It was the, the white. Yeah, but we had the green. Why couldn't we use the green ones? Was my point. Yeah. Was like, why I could- mean, it's, Jared, I think it's, it's a culture. It's a, it's going back to tradition because it was the way it was always done. And I suppose if you don't challenge that status quo, you won't get changes. And the amount, I remember speaking about this at the time, seeing like soccer teams, all different sports changing the white gear to make it a little bit more comfortable to acknowledge the fact that 50% of our population is women and if we wanted them to engage in sport, we have to, like, I suppose, remove the barriers to, to entry into engaging in sport. Mm. And that is, like, you know, the type of gear that you wear, whether it's comfortable, whether you do have a period, even normalising that language around it and, and understanding that, you know, girls have these challenges that, you know, do have to be addressed. And and it's not and not making a big deal about it. It's almost just like it being part and parcel of sports so that they're comfortable enough Able actually, you know, I can I can say this to a coach or I can say this to a manager, but I I do think it, like the environment that's created is huge, and that is something that coaches and parents that are listening right now that are involved in younger people's teams, boys and girls, pay yeah, attention yeah. to. You know, what what's your definition of success? Is it if twenty girls or boys walk in the the gate of the pitch in twenty twenty three? Is it getting twenty to walk back in the gate in twenty twenty four, or is it winning the cup? Mm. Is there pressure being put on younger people? Are they being um, like singled out if they make mistakes? Are they being made feel embarrassed or ashamed for making mistakes in sport? Like that's for me. That's what came out of the documentary. Mm. You create an environment where it's about fun, and yeah, it's about an opportunity for them to challenge themselves and to be competitive. Don't remove that. But if there is fun and there is a, a kind of almost a feeling of safety and an inclusiveness. They will come back. They will absolutely come back. But if you don't create that environment, first of all, why would they bother? Before, because they have so many other reasons to not walk back in that door. Absolutely. And before we give Sonia the last word on this, the text number once again is 53106. We would love to hear from you. The text costs 30 cent or you can WhatsApp us for free. Send us a voice note. Oh, it's 7140106. Or you can email Anton at Newstalk.com. Anton has not had a voice transplant. This is Jarlath Regan sitting in for my good friend Anton Savage. And you have been texting in. Jenny texted in to say, I hated sport in school because, to be honest, I didn't know how to play a lot of the games properly. I didn't have confidence in how my body moved. I only got into sport because my husband is into it. And I have now got confidence and a love of sport. That's from Jenny. Keep them coming in. I'm conscious, Sonia, that there's a lot of people now driving back from their park runs, which is probably the best example of exactly what uh, 
Anna's been talking about, that we're, our goal here is to have healthy people out there on a Saturday doing this, not taking home trophies, but just staying healthy, keeping fit and, you know, having more productive, enjoyable lives. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the key is the enjoyment. And, you know, organised can just mean having a structure or a meeting time. And I think that's the thing with a park run is that you there's a set time that you meet people and you're all getting together and you're doing the same thing for, for lots of different reasons. I mean, people, you know, join the park run or take part in sports for lots of different reasons, but it's a lot easier to do it if you're doing it with other people. Mm. And they're all, you know, maybe finding it hard to get put that structure in their lives as well. But if they know there's other people going to be there and you've agreed to meet someone to do something, I think that's the thing that gets people to continue into sport is that if you have a group of people and they've all agreed to be in a certain place at a certain time, then you're more likely to turn up. But that doesn't mean that it has to be a huge competitive, you know, goal at the end of it. It can be just, you know, this is what we enjoy doing and the goal is to go to the coffee shop afterwards and uh, grab a scone, which is uh, <laughs> what I'll be doing soon. <laughs> uh, Anna and Sonia, Anna, Anna Geary and Sonia O'Sullivan, of course, talking to us here about keeping girls in sport. What a, what a great chat we've had. Uh, texts in saying the government should be paying the two of you for your insight in improving people's lives and gaining he- good health through sport. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at nine on News Talk.